Hope you're doing well on this wonderful Labor Day weekend. It doesn't seem like it always rains on Labor Day weekend. Like every year. We're making our way through the book of Philippians. I think we have three more Sundays and then we'll be finished with Philippians. And on to the next series. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this time together as we are gathered together under the umbrella of the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have spoken to us through the book of Philippians. And Father, we have ears to hear. Holy Spirit, help us to hear the word of God. It is the word of God that is able to save our souls. God, I pray that, Lord, you'll grant it to your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of your power towards them that believe. Grant unto me your son and your slave, that I may supernaturally, that you may grant unto me supernatural utterance, that I may boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. Make my tongue of a pen of a ready writer. Speak a word to them that are weary, that you may strengthen them and cause them to have joy in the race that you have laid out before them. I thank you that your word will produce some 30-fold, some 100-fold, some um, 60-fold. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's a little feedback. So we're going to talk about the holy pursuit. So if you have your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 3. Last week we talked about the pursuit of God. Just want to make mention that uh, we have um, on SoundCloud, you can listen to all the sermons for free. You can even download them, put on your iPod um, or your iPad. So take advantage of that. I think we have about 100 sermons on there. Uh, we, most of 1 Corinthians, when we were teaching through 1 Corinthians, then the book of Philippians, and then some topical messages. Um, so take advantage of that. Last week, we talked about the pursuit of God. This week, I want to share about the holy pursuit. We're, call, we're all called, we all are pursuing something or someone. As believers, we are called to pursue the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There are a lot of things that we can pursue, but we need to pursue our God's, God's high calling. And this high calling includes the holy pursuit. It's a pursuit of holiness. Holiness um, is one definition of it. It's a life of holiness is one in which God is prized above all things in which believers trust and hope in his goodness. Let me say that again. One um, author says a life, holiness is, a life of holiness is one in which God is prized above all things, in which believers trust and hope in his goodness. So are you pursuing holiness this morning? Are you pursuing love? Are you pursuing peace? Are you pursuing the Bible? So let's take a look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I mean, you got to say amen. 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 Philippians chapter 3 says this. Following my brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and it's safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by um, the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. 
Though I myself may have reason for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisees, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. If anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. From it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Amen to the reading of God's word. Amen. We're talking about the holy pursuit, the holy pursuit. We're looking at Philippians chapter 3. Um, I, I mentioned this a while back, but I, I think it, it bears... It would do you good if you, if you were to pursue this. Um, there's a Bible called the ESV Reader, and it, does, it doesn't have any verses, um, just chapters, and it helps you to kind of capture the thought of the writer. You know, um, there's a human writer, and of course there's God who's inspired these men to write the scriptures. So I would take advantage of that. You can pick it up for $20, but it helps you to keep the flow of what Paul has said. So I... I, I use it for my study. Um, so Philippians chapter 3, let's look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Last week we talked about the pursuit of God. This week we're talking about the holy pursuit. 
Um, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9 says this, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Let's take a look at this. Um, Paul says, to be found in him. I thought that was amazing. I was tempted this morning to name the sermon Found in Him. Um, But to be found in Him should be the desire of our hearts. We should want to be found in Christ. Uh, When Christ comes and, and, um, excuse me, when Christ comes or we depart this life, we want to be found in Christ. Amen? If, If we are not found in Christ, then we're found in sin. Did you hear me? If we're not found in Christ, we're found in sin. So we want to be found in him. Um, this is just a profound statement. To be found in, be found in him. Are you found in him this morning? Um, on most of our, my social media accounts, you'll see the term, um, the title, PD Lives in Christ. And that was born out of these two verses, 9 and 10. Everything from Facebook to Instagram to um, uh, Twitter, uh, found in him. PD lives in Christ. And we are, if you're born again this morning, you live in Christ. Christ is your life, amen? This is who you are. Let's go, let's take a detour. Go to Colossians chapter 1, excuse me, Colossians chapter 3. That's the next book over. Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at verses 1 through three, 4. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Let's stop there. When we got saved, um, we identify with Jesus' death and his resurrection. It says, If you've been raised with Christ, then we are to seek the things which are above. How many know we need to seek the the things that are above? Because the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Amen? And God is unseen. We've never seen God. No man has seen God and lived. You know, Uh, we've never seen who, you know, physically. So we are to seek that which is above. It goes on verse 2. It says, set your mind on things that are above and not on things on earth. So we do need to be heavenly minded. I know this a phrase to be, you know, some people are so heavenly minded that no earthly good. I understand what they're talking about. They're talking about people who think they're heavenly minded. But when you're heavenly minded, truly heavenly minded, you're going to seek to be good to, on the earth. You're going to seek the good of your brothers and your sisters. Amen. Um, it goes on verse three. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you, shall, you will also appear with him in glory. So here the scripture tells us that our life is hid in Christ. He is our identity. He's, he's where we, we have found our life. At one point we were dead in our sins, but now we are alive together in Christ Jesus. Let's go one more scripture. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. 
It says, for the wages of sin is death. You think about a wage, you think about, you know, minimum wage, or maybe you get paid by the hour. Your wage may be $28 an hour, or, or $14 an hour, or $10, or $12 an hour. It says, for the wages of sin is death. So sin will pay us death. For if we keep on yielding to sin, sin will pay us death. And it goes on, it says, but the, but the free gift of God is eternal life, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so in Christ Jesus, we have the free gift of eternal life, which is knowing God and his son, Jesus Christ. It means going to heaven to be with God. So it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God or seek that which is above. And that's our life. If you're born again, your identity is in Christ Jesus. You remember the, the, the um, scripture in Acts, it says, in him we live and move and have our being. You know, there's a song called, um, I'm nothing without him. It is in Christ that we live, we move, and we have our being. That's who, it's not that we made, when we got saved, it's not that we made Jesus part of our lives, but he is our life. Amen? And everything that we do, every decision that we make, it is filtered through who Christ is. Amen? That it's not that he's a part of our life. You know, sometimes people talk about making God, making Jesus um, number one on your list. Well, he is the list. It's not that he's on the top of the list. He is the list. It's like a will. You think about a will. In the middle of that will, everything functions because of the center of that will. So Jesus is the center of our lives. Amen? Amen. And so uh, here Paul is saying to be found in Christ, to be found in him. And he goes on, he says, uh, Paul continues by saying that his righteousness is not from his own works, which comes through obeying the law, but his righteousness is through faith in Christ. We are righteous now because of Christ. We are righteous now. What does it mean to be righteous? It means right standing with God, um, being accepted by God. At the cross, God judged Jesus as if he personally committed every sin that we are ever commit. And, and we talked about this last week, how there was a great exchange. We received his righteousness and he received our sins. The Bible says he became sin that we may become righteous in God's sight. So there was a great exchange. Our sins was laid upon him. His sinless life, his righteousness was laid upon us. Are you with me this morning? Uh, the scripture says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is by the law, but the righteousness of God that comes through Christ. The righteousness that depends on faith in Christ. Are you with me? So we are righteous not based on what we do. We're righteous based on what he did. Amen. And so God, when God sees us, he sees us through the righteousness of Christ. We cannot earn this great salvation. We cannot earn favor with God. Our performances do not drive the love of God to us. It's his performance, talking about Christ's performance, that actually earns us the right to be loved by God. At one point, we were enemies of God. Now we are friends. We're family members. We're sons of God, daughters of God. We're adopted in his family. We're slaves. Of, are you with me? At one point, we were far from God, but now the blood of Jesus has made us near to God. 
Now we can call him Father. Well, he's no longer just God to us or, or the righteous judge. He is the righteous judge now, but he's our righteous father, the father who judges us according to the works of Jesus. Amen. Let's look at a couple of scriptures dealing with this. First Corinthians chapter one. We're talking about the holy pursuit. Paul says that I may be found in him. I don't know about you, but I want to be found in Christ this morning. When God sees me, I want him him to see me through Christ, not through my own works, because if if it was through my own works, I would be able to boast. Look at me. I do this. I do that. I don't do this. I don't do that. But it's what Christ has done. First Corinthians chapter one, verses 26 through 31. Here's Paul saying, for consider your calling, brothers. When he says brothers, he's talking about sisters, too. For consider your callings, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. In other words, we weren't born into a rich family. Some of y'all may have been, but I wasn't. (laughs) Um, we We weren't among those who are powerful in the world. By worldly standards, we didn't have a noble birth. You know, it's not like, oh, wow, here they are. They're finally here. Oh, and the, they're taking pictures. We're on the news. No, our person was not like that. No, I mean, our family did that. <laughs> but not, not the world. The world didn't celebrate our birth. And most likely, it won't celebrate our death. But it says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. Are you seeing this? God chose what is not strong, what is not beautiful, what is not high and lifted up, but he chose the weak, he, stro- he, he chose the low, in order that we can't boast in his presence. No one can boast in the presence of God. And it goes on, it says, and because of him, talking about Christ, because of, oh, talk, talking about the Father right here, because of the Father, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, so that as it is written, let no one who boasts, bo- let, okay, excuse me, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So the scripture tells us that Christ is, our, is the wisdom of God. He is the righteousness of God. He is the sanctification. He is our redemption. And if we're going to boast, we're going to boast because of Christ. Amen? Go back to uh, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. It says, be found, verse 9, be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which comes, but the righteousness that comes from, through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That is the one, that is the only way we are found in Christ, is if we have righteousness, Christ's righteousness. God treats the sinner as if he lived Christ's sinless life. Did you hear me? Christ, God the Father, treats the sinner, when the sinner is saved, God the Father treats the sinner as if 
He lived the sinless life of Christ, the great exchange. It depends, our righteousness depends on the righteousness of Jesus. That's the only way that we can enter into the presence of God, is that we are totally dependent upon Christ. Are you dependent upon Christ this morning? Are you resting in his finished work? Are you relying on him for your salvation? Don't just mentally agree with this, these statements, but actually have, you must have genuine faith. Not wannabe faith, but the real faith of the, of, 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 in God the Father. Real faith comes from God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. You cannot be found in Christ without having Bible faith in the person and work of Christ. Let's look at verse 10. It says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and may share, uh, ESV says, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Notice this, that God made us righteous in Christ. He has made us to be found in Christ so that we can know him. So the only way that we can know Christ, I mean, God the Father, is if we are, being, or we are in Christ Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can know the Father unless they know, come through me. So to know God is to love your brothers and your sisters. Remember the scripture that we looked at last week, 1 John 4, 7 and 8? Okay, you, you're not, you, okay, let's go, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. To know God is to love your brothers and your sisters. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So if you love, truly walk in the love of God, then you're born of God and you know God. Verse 9 excuse me, verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Notice the scripture that says, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, for God is love. Now, that does not mean that God equal, God is equal to love or that love is God. Love is not God, but God is love. That's who he is. We can't say, well, love is God then. No, it's not like you reverse it. So that word is does not mean equal to. It doesn't mean that God is equal to love. That's one element of who he is. He's righteous, he's holy, he's a judge, a judge and so forth. And so the scripture says to know God is to love your brothers and your sisters. To know God is to know, is to obey him. You remember the scripture in John chapter 14? It says, um, they that know God, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So to know God is to obey him. Amen. Go over to John 14. We're talking about the holy pursuit. Here Paul is pursuing God. He's crying out that I may know him. I want to be found in Christ so that I can know him. And to know God is to love your brothers and your sisters. To know God is to obey him. John chapter 14, verses 15. Let's start with verse 15. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Notice how many people will tell you they love God. God knows my heart. How many have heard that? God knows my heart. I love God. God, we have a special relationship. Oh, really? Oh, really? Um, see, the people who say that and they want to justify their sins, 
They're going to know him, all right. They're going to know him as the wrath of God, the judgment of God. They're going to experience the judgment of God. It's the, it's the most dangerous place is to actually think that you're okay with God and when you're really not. That's a scary place. Matthew 7 says, many will say in that great day, Lord, Lord, did I not do all these things? And what would his response be? I never knew you. I never knew you. You're professing that you know me, but you don't. I never knew you. One scripture says that my people draw near to me with their words, but their hearts are far from me. We got to be careful. Even the songs that we sing, we're singing these songs. Here I am to worship, bow down to say that you are my God. Do we really believe those things? You know, every praise belongs to our God. You know, are, are we really convicted? Are we singing with conviction? Are we just doing lip service? Um, that, that's one thing I challenge myself. Every time I sing together with the people of God, do I really believe this? Do I really mean what I'm saying? <laughs> Am I really, you know, I give myself away. Do I really believe that? Do I believe that he's God in the good times, in the bad? Do I really praise him in the bad times? It's one thing to praise him in the good times, right? Everything's going all right? Oh, Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. When you got thousands of dollars in the bank, or when you got negative dollars in the bank. Oh, Lord, I praise you, Lord. God, God, God. <laughs> Do we really trust in him? Amen. So here, Jesus is saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not that we keep his commandments to prove our love, but out of expression of love for God, we obey him. You know, it's, it's not that we're seeking to earn righteousness with God, but because we're already righteous, we're going to obey him. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, and yet a little while the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, and you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. That, that's relationship right there. That's sweet fellowship. We're in Jesus, and the Father is in us. Are you with me? We're one together with God. Whoever, verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So we have God's commandments and we keep his commandments. We're really proving that we love God. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Notice this. It says that whoever has his commandments and keeps his commandments, he it is who loves me. So people who say I love God, just watch their lives. Just watch their life. See how consistent their life lines up with the Bible. Don't say, I love God. You know, sometimes people think when they talk about the loving God, we're talking about the holy pursuit. When they think about loving God, they think about this warm, fuzzy feeling. You know, oh, I love God. I really do. Why? Because I have feelings for God. <laughs> um, how many know that the birds have feelings for God? You know, they have the warm feeling inside. Oh, I love the creator. Why? Because he can kill me. You know? <laughs> I love you, God. Um, 
well, I praise him. Well, the trees praise God. You know, they, they got branches and they swing with the wind. They're like, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's one thing to say these things, but it's another to obey. But he says, if you love me, you'll be loved by my father and I would love him and manifest myself to him. Judas Iscariot said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So if we love God, we're going to do what? Keep his word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. I don't know about you, but I want, to, I want the Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to come and make their home in me. I want them to be, I want to be their dwelling place. Let's go on. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 3. So real test of our love for God and his son is that we have a life that shows our love for God. We don't try to obey God first. Our obedience is the overflow of our salvation. We're, saved by, we're not saved by our obedience, but because we're saved, we walk in obedience. Are you with me? So we don't try to earn a place with God. Jesus has already done that. Now we just live out this expression of love for God the Father. Again, to know God is, is the highest calling of God. It's the highest calling on life. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. It says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul wants wants to know three things. He wants to know that he may know God, that he may know the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering. King James says that. Or ESV says, may share in his suffering. He wants to know God. He wants to know his power, the power of his resurrection, and he wants to share in his suffering. Let's take a look at this. To know God is the highest priority for Paul. It's one thing to know about God, but it's another thing to actually know him. To know God is to love him, to serve him, to love your brothers and sisters. Again, we're going to talk more about knowing God, the pursuit of God, after this series. We're going to look at rediscovering or rethinking God biblically. The second point is that he wants to know the power of his resurrection. Um, Here, he wants to participate in the resurrection of the believer. He wants God's resurrected power to walk with, in order to walk with God. The power of his resurrection um, is, the power, is the same power that God raised Christ from the dead. If you're born again today, this morning, God's power is inside of you. And that same power that raised Christ from the dead will also raise us up from the dead when we die. Are you with me? If the Lord comes and we die before his return, well, when the Lord comes, and we die before his return, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall also make our bodies alive and raise us up from the dead. That very same power that, was, that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of us. So we're not powerless Christians. Are you with me? We have the power of God on the inside of us. The power of his resurrection isn't just limited to us being raised from the dead, but it's power to live right. It's power to obey God. It's power to serve God. It's power to love. How many know it's hard to love people? (laughs) It's hard to love when when all hell is breaking loose. But the power of God is at work in us, empowering us 
to love people. Go with me to Ephesians. That's the book before Philippians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. This is what I pray for us every single time we gather. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. It says this. This is the prayer that I pray. I start with verse 15. You know, you know the prayer. Let's, let's look. Verse 15 says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And this is what he prays. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And this is the part, verse 19. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. For above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the world one to come. Okay, stop there. So here Paul is praying that they will know and understand what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us to believe. We want to know this power. Are you with me? This power of God that raised Christ from the dead. Paul is praying this. He's desiring this. That I may know the power of your resurrection. I want to understand this power. What is the immeasurable greatness of your power that you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead? That should be the prayer of our hearts. Let us know this power. Let us taste of this power. Go to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. 3 verse 14. 14 and 15 says this, for this reason, this is another prayer to pray. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. So we're all named after the Father. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with what? With power through his spirit in your inner being. How many know that we need power, the power of God to strengthen us spiritually? It's hard to stand. You know, we're fighting against temptation. We're fighting against sin. We're fighting to love right. The power of God has been given to us to strengthen us, to stand. I mean, the enemy attacks from every way. But when we have the power of God, we're able to stand. Are you with me? It takes God's power causing us to stand. So when the enemy hit us with attacks, we can stand. Later on in this, in this book, it says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And it talks about the armor of God. Let, let's look at verse 19. I mean, verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to what? The power at work within us. Do you know that God's power is at work inside of you? His power to transform you into the image of Christ. He is at work. If you remember Philippians chapter 1, verse 6? Being confident of this one thing, that he who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is at work in us. Amen. Paul says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to understand. I want, I want to know this power. Power 
to live right, power to obey God, power to serve God with, with joy, power for service, amen? Power to pray for the sick, to see them healed. Power to pray for those who are oppressed, to see them delivered. Paul is saying, I want to know the power to conform me to the, to the will of God, the power of the resurrection. Then he goes on, he says, you go back to Philippians now, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, that I may share his sufferings, that I may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Here, he says, he wants to share in Christ's sufferings. Um, the reason why is because he wants to be like him in his death. To share in Christ's sufferings does not mean that we're atoning for our own sins. We're simply, as a result of what Jesus has done for us, we're going to suffer as a Christian. As a Christian. It means that we are, if Christ suffered, then we, as his followers, will suffer. Everybody got quiet. <laughs> no one wants to suffer. Um, Paul says that I want, I want to embrace the suffering that come along as, uh, with being a Christian, a faithful follower of Christ. Paul didn't just want the power, but he also wanted the sufferings of Christ, suffering for Christ, suffering because of Christ. If I'm going to suffer, I don't want to suffer because of myself. I want to suffer because of Christ. When people persecute me, I want them to persecute me because of Christ, not because of something I did. Amen? So the suffering is unique because it isn't um, brought on, our, on, to, on by our, ourselves, but as a result of our faith in the living God. There's a deeper fellowship and communion with the Lord that comes only through suffering. Suffering. All right, let's, let, let me take you to the scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. It says this, Paul, you know, he's, he, he has this thorn in the flesh and he's praying to the Lord for deliverance from this thorn in the flesh. Um, let's look at verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So, so this, whatever this thorn was, some believe that it was the eye disease. I, I disagree with that. I actually believe that it was the persecution that he received everywhere he went. When Paul would go into the city, enemy would stare at people's hearts, and they were persecuted. And he was driven out of many cities because of the gospel. And he was asking God to deliver him. And the Lord says to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, that's when I am strong. You notice when we're weak, that's when God's power is there. We, it drives us to our needs. It drives us to pray, to rely on God. So here, Paul says, I want to identify with Christ in his sufferings. I want to participate in these sufferings, to know Christ better by experiencing sufferings just like he did. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, he, Jesus was a man of sorrow familiar with sufferings. Paul believes in suffering is a way 
of becoming like Christ. Becoming like Christ. It is through the things that we suffer that we must embrace. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not saying if you're suffering abuse, get out of that relationship. You know, I'm not saying to stay in a, you know, oh, he hit me upside the head, so I'm going to suffer. No, that's not for Jesus. All right. That's ignorance. Run for your life. Um, If you're at a job and and let's say there's racism, um, you don't have to endure that. You You can apply. We live in America. We can apply for other jobs. Are you with me? So that's not the type of suffering. I'm talking about the type of suffering that is a result of your faith in Christ. Now, if you're speeding and the police pull you over, you're not suffering for Christ. You do understand that. That's the devil. <laughs> you're, I'm suffering. Jesus, I embrace this. No, no, let's not do that. Uh, um, but when we're talking about suffering, we're talking about picking up your cross. We're talking about what, what is causing and an attack from the enemy because of your faith. You know, it may be because maybe some certain friends cut you off because now that you're taking your faith seriously. Um, they're suffering. Um, what, what, what about family members who are not going to talk to you anymore because you're a Christian? Um, because you're taking a stand. Oh, you, too, you think you're too holy. Well, that's a good thing. I'm suffering. Um, suffering for Christ does not mean that you are just settling for your life like it is, but it's simply saying, you know, if my faith is provoking such a threat to the enemy, then he's going to attack me. He's going to cause different things to come my way, but I'm, this is part of the suffering. So Paul says, it is in weakness I embrace this weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God bless you. Go, go with me. Go back to Philippians chapter 3. We're almost finished. Philippians chapter 3, verse 11. He says, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul wants to obtain this resurrection from the dead. This is a blessed promise for every believer. While we will one day rise um, in Christ from the dead, we're saved with this hope. We too shall be raised from the dead. Romans 8 talks about how we're saved by this hope that one day we're going to receive new bodies. That is the hope that we have. Every Christian has. We recite this every week. Nicene Creed. We believe in one resurrection from the dead. We believe that we're going to be raised from the dead. Do you believe that? Amen. We're going to be raised. Even as God raised Christ from the dead, we're going to be. If we're not dead, then he's going to change us in a twinkling of an eye. A blink, you know, he's going to change us just like that. That's his power at work. So Paul says, you know what? I want to obtain this. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 9 says, if only in this world or this life we have hope in Christ, we are the most miserable people on the earth. Our hope goes beyond this life. Are you with me? I, we're living to live again. Verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. It says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul has a what I call a holy press. He doesn't believe we have to receive everything in our salvation right now, but our salvation will be complete in Christ one day when Christ returns. There are some who have error in the sense that they believe when they got saved, they receive perfection. How many know we're not perfect? And we will not receive, reach perfection until Christ returns. But in the meantime, we're to press on to know the Lord. We're to press on to know, understand that he has made us his own. 
We too must press on to make the salvation our own. This Christ is our own Christ. Live out our salvation with fear and trembling. The reason why, because Christ Jesus has made us his own. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27 talks about how Paul um, disciplines himself so that he can be received by the Lord. How many know we must fight sin? We must stand for Christ in the midst of a rebellious generation. We must press on. Are you pressing this morning? Are you pressing to know God and his word? Are you pressing to love the unlovable? Are you pressing regardless of what's coming your way? When we think about the word press, it means to come against the pressure, to go against the opposite. Um, Acts chapter 14 verse 22 says this. It says, it is through many tribulations we enter into the kingdom of God. Acts 14 verse 22 Acts 14, verse 22, write it down, look at it. It says, it's through many tribulations we enter into the kingdom of God. This is not an easy journey, but this is a journey of much pressing. You think about the woman with the issue of blood. She pressed on to touch Jesus, the hem of, of his garment, and she was made whole. And we too must press, press in prayer. How do you press? When you don't feel like praying, you pray. Um, how do you press? When you don't feel like giving, you give. Paul was running spiritually to catch the very thing to which Christ Jesus has come after him. We are, God's, we are God chasers because God chased us. Are you with me? We are God chasers because God chased us first. So we press on to know the Lord. We, we run after God because he ran after us. When Jesus was on the cross, he was running after us. Therefore, as a response, we run after him. You know, the song, Chasing After You. We're chasing after the Lord. Uh, why? Because he chased after us. We love the Lord because he first loved us. So we press. The purpose for which God saved us is also the purpose in which we live. The Christian life is a lifelong pursuit of Christ-likeness. We want to be like Christ. I got three, four more verses. Verses 13 and 14. 13 and 14. It says... Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Let's, and verse 14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was saying, you know what? I recognize that I have not obtained perfection, but I still press on to know the Lord. And one thing he does, he forget what lies behind. All your successes, all your failures, forget it. What you did for yesterday. I read the whole Bible last year. Very good. Now read it again. I prayed eight hours today. Very good. Pray every day. It's better to pray 15 minutes a day than to pray eight hours in one setting and then don't pray again to to like next month. It's better to be consistent. Whether It's better to read one chapter a day than try to read the whole Bible over a weekend and then don't pick it up next year. So the consistency. So forget your successes and forget your failures. Paul says, one thing I do, I forget the past. I leave what's behind and I reach for what is ahead. What is ahead of us as Christians? Glory is ahead of us. Knowing God, being in his presence and the fullness of his presence is ahead of us. And that's what we are to press for. That, that high calling of God in Christ Jesus. To press means to go against something. We're called to press beyond what we see. Verses 15 and 16 says this. 
Let those of us who are mature think this way. If anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Here Paul says, the mark of maturity is that you press. <laughs> you are not mature because you, you say you are. You're not mature in Christ because you are older naturally. You're not spiritually mature because, you, you are, because you've been saved for a long time. You are spiritually mature because you keep pressing on in the things of God. You keep fighting sin. You keep holding on to Christ. If you're otherwise, God will reveal this to you. We're to hold true to what we have attained and continue to press on. Here are the applications of these verses. I didn't get to 17 through 21. We'll do that next week. Here are the applications. Um, one is that there is more of God than we have right now. There's more of God than we have right now. We get that from th these verses. We also get that we are to seek him more. We're to seek to know him. Excuse me. We're to seek to know him more. We're to seek to know him. Everything, all our prayers and all our fastings and all of our scripture reading, all our gathering together is so that we can seek the Lord more. We're to know, we're to want to know his keeping power and his sustaining power. We're to pray for God's power to sustain us, to keep us. We're to pray for his keeping power. That's number three. We're to pray for his keeping power. Number four, we're to embrace sufferings for the Christian faith. For the Christian faith. We're to embrace sufferings for the Christian faith. Make sure it's the right suffering. You know, some people are suffering because of their own decisions. And the last, we're to press on and forget the past. We're to press on and forget the past. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you'll help us to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. We want to know you, God. Father, reveal yourself through your word. May we give us a voracious appetite for the scriptures and for prayer. May we press on to know you. Let us forget what lies behind and reach for what is ahead of us. To know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. That we may share in your sufferings. God help us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.